Hi, my name is Matt Copeland, and this is the Pushing the Envelope podcast. Here we talk about building science, architecture, engineering, and generally how to make better buildings. Today's the inaugural episode, and I have with me Ken Kiefer. Ken's the High Performance Construction Academy Director for SEGA North America, and he's also just an all-around great guy. Uh, We talk about all kinds of things, including uh, his role at the High Performance Academy and all the cool stuff they do there. We talk about a recent Passive House project in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Talk about what contractors and designers are looking for from manufacturers of high performance building materials and a bunch of other stuff. I think it was a really interesting hour or so conversation and I hope you enjoy it. All right, Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, really excited and uh, to be honest, a bit nervous because I don't know what I'm doing. I've not done this before, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. Hey, you, you got a guy that likes to talk. So that's uh, good. <laughs> it's a perfect uh, first guess. I, I think we'll have a, I think we'll have a good conversation here. Awesome. Um, so let's start. Just uh, give me a quick intro to yourself and uh, you know your background, and then we can dive into a few uh, more specific projects and topics that are uh, you know related to what both of us do for a living. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, I I've been in the construction industry uh, in one form or another, basically uh, my entire career. Um, you know, started out when I was 16, working in the lumber and millwork department at Lowe's. Nice. Uh, moved up into kitchen design. And then from there, kind of got into the the more um, outside sales kind of aspect of that. Went to went to work for uh, Porcelanosa, uh, working with their uh, tiles, and then got interested in the facade program. Um, from there, moved on to Pella, and then uh, stuck with the back in the kind of the window world from from back in my familiarity with. Um, with basic windows over at the home centers. Sure. And then uh, now here I am in the high performance world dealing with the air tightness, moisture management, and uh, kind of the whole behind the scenes look at all of all of that uh, building prettiness. Yeah, awesome. Oh, that's great. That's super helpful. Um, and I think maybe give folks who don't know you a little bit more context on on what you do and and where you where you come from. Um, I wanted to talk about that uh, a particular high performance project that I was reading about one of your posts on LinkedIn. Um, this project in Cambridge, the Finch uh, multifamily um, passive house project. So yep. caught my eye because it's a uh, passive house. It's good size, you know, uh, a pretty large scale passive house project, large scale yeah. project in general. Um, and so I just wanted to, to, you know, have you tell me a little bit more about it. I don't know too much. I read the article from uh, Icon's website, but besides that, kind of curious how that went and, you know, what uh, what your role was, what Sega's role was in the project and and some of the stuff that went into it. Sure. Yeah, that was, um, that was a very exciting project. Um... Uh, I had been in contact with Michelle at Icon for um, for a little while before we got involved with that program or for, with that project. Um, there was some pushback to switching from what they had spec'd, um, and the initial the initial thought was that the step, the spec was just going to stick. You know that yeah. it's a product they were familiar with. Um, uh, didn't really want to change something that they were familiar with, but. Um, there were starting to be some performance issues with the with the mock-up. Uh, the consultants were starting to ask some questions on how that was going to work with a uh, how the details for that particular product were going to work with a high-performance build. And uh, long story short, we came in and or I was given the opportunity to come in and, and kind of bring the team up to speed on on the capabilities of our materials. Uh, the fact that you know from the CMU uh, to the dense glass to the plywood didn't have to transition from one material in a yeah. line to another. Yeah. It was just wrap the whole building in one thing, and here's the one tape for all the other things. So it was like a was there a general? Thing. Yeah, that's 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 always. I mean, simplicity on a construction site, I think, is one of the biggest and most overlooked uh, things that contributes to success, right? Um, yeah. You know, we designers have a tendency to really turn everything into a Swiss watch. Uh, and uh, which is funny, I'm talking to a guy from a Swiss company, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, turn everything into a Swiss watch that like has to be so carefully put together with this piece and that piece. And um, I think we forget that 
you know, the human factor sometimes where, you know, as carefully designed as it may be, if it's difficult to put together, um, it's not going to work very well, even if they uh, use the right products, right? Right. But so uh, simplification is definitely a, a huge factor, I think. Absolutely. And I mean, we, we have to all face the music at one point or another. We're, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how talented we are as, as a professional. We're not going to get everything 100% perfect 100% of the time. So the more yeah. complex we make it, the more difficult it makes it to reach your goals. Absolutely. You know, if you, you can even look at like, uh, you know, the Bob Seegers or, or, you know, Ingve Malmsteen, these, these really, really talented guitarists and, and singers and, you know, I've seen singers that have been on stage singing a song they've been singing for 30 years and forget the lyrics. <laughs> so, you know, right. it's, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that even as a, a building professional that, you know, we're going to miss something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so standardizing, and, and, and that's one of the cool things now that, um, that I'm seeing out of Icon is that they're really trying to, rather than trying to reinvent the wheel with every project that they, that they design is, they're like, look, this is this is the the way we did Finch Cambridge, and you know, this is a it was put together by I think NEI had done uh, some high performance buildings before, but mm -hmm. the okay. subcontractor installing the air barrier, the windows, and all that, yeah. this was their first rodeo with a high performance building, let alone something that needed to be passive house certified. Yeah, and and you know they they did extremely well. Um, That's awesome. You know they. They, they knocked it out of the park, you know, first go around. Was there a system, uh, like a, a sort of typical wall system? I know you mentioned there's a bunch of different backups and things like that and probably different claddings, um, but was there sort of an overarching strategy that uh, they used kind of throughout that wall assembly? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got their, you know, their standard stud pocket. So I believe for Finch, you know, the first, first floor of the parking garage was steel frame. Yeah. Uh, so steel studs, dense glass, uh, but that was all packed with uh, um, insulation between the studs. And then, you know, the air barrier got put on, the windows got mounted flush with the air barrier. So the taping detail on that was super simple. Yeah. Um, then they were planning for, for exterior insulation. They wanted mm -hmm. permeable exterior insulation. So they went with a mineral wool. Yep. And the nice thing about their detail is that a, a lot of people, when they detail these windows, into something that has exterior insulation. They're so tempted by tradition to put the window in line with the cladding. So that, right. yeah, that exactly. plane yeah. exists within the cladding. Yeah. And that oftentimes creates a really deep window buck. Mm -hmm. um, and when the air barrier is at the sheathing and the window buck is out here, you've got some very tricky details for the air barrier sequencing and for the window taping sequencing. So what I love yeah. about what they did, they put that all in line with the sheathing and then they just post applied um, some, some I think four by fours or maybe two by fours to the outside that were not part of the air barrier, not part of the water management. It was there solely for support of the cladding mm -hmm. system. That all has to be trimmed out anyway. So, sure. you know, why why integrate it and, and make it more complex? Again, going back to simplicity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've seen that now on, on, I think all of their projects are drawn the exact same way. Um, mm -hmm. It makes it very easy to pass water tests. So um, we, yeah, I think that's a, it's a smart idea in a lot of ways. And especially if, uh, if you have some of the insulation in the wall cavity too, that way you're keeping the window in line with the insulation more or less. Um, right. You know, I can see the only, one argument against it might be if all the insulation was outside of the sheathing um, and, you know, you may have a misalignment of your insulation there at the window, right. if you, but if it's still within that overall thermal insulation line, um, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. It really simplifies things. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that we they they put some pretty aggressive water testing on on that building because obviously it's going to be a high performance. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't test it. I think standard is like four pounds of vacuum for for twenty minutes or something like that. Uh, that project and and a couple of the other projects that we've done since then, we've tested at eight pounds of vacuum uh, for thirty minutes. Wow. And even against the window, one of the window manufacturers is like, well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's an awfully aggressive test. And, you know, it's yeah. not that we're afraid for the windows, but, you know, we're not testing with cladding. We're testing just the windows right. and tape. Right. And tape 
you know, I've never seen Tate pass that test. Well, <laughs> our Tate did pass that test. And, and you know, it's, I think that goes to A, quality of the materials, but also B, simplicity of the install again. It just goes back to that. It's it, That's right. It was so easy to do yeah. right that yeah. it was almost impossible to not do well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you have, you can have the best tapes and the best uh, uh, idea for detail, but if the two pieces aren't stuck together because the <laughs> right. the geometry is too complicated, then it's not going to work. Yeah. Right, exactly. One more thing I was reading about that project that I found interesting um, was how uh, it sounds like there's maybe different parts of the inside of the building, some of which is part of, you know, the way they phrased it, it was like some part of it was part of the passive, the passive house uh component and part of it was yep. not. So I don't know if maybe it was a, you know, garage or something like that was not included really, but just right. the idea of having different interior areas separated by a building envelope component. I found that pretty interesting because I've seen that right. come up on other projects where it wasn't done and needed to be um, for performance reasons, not just, you know, not for a rating necessarily, but just for, it had performance implications. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, um, that was one of the interesting, um, aspects of that building. So they, they, they separated the lobby. Mm -hmm. um, they separated the garage. The garage was actually, uh, the built, whole building was built over top of the garage. So the whole first floor was the garage space. Right. Um, so they needed to separate out the, that part. So the garage, the lobby, and then there's a community room upstairs and uh, a laundry room. Okay. Um, so this whole, that whole basically half of the top floor needed to be separated out um, yeah. just because, you know, it doesn't make sense to have that be part of the thermal envelope, you know, the compu the community room, people are going to be in and out of the doors all yeah, the time yeah. to yeah. go out to the, to go out to the rooftop terrace. They're yeah. probably going to leave the doors open, you mm -hmm. know, depending on the days and stuff like that. So it makes it really hard to integrate those into a passive house envelope when, you know, that's, it becomes hard to control the occupants sure. behavior um, yep. and how they, how they affect the building's yeah. performance. I think it's smart to recognize that, that there's, you know, this space that like, if you put the very high performance envelope at the outside of that space, then you're compromising the whole envelope by, right. you know, if you don't recognize that, well, this space is going to be used differently. And, you know, like you said, may have people, you know, uh, leaving doors open, propping doors open for events or even just, you know, convenience uh, when they're up and about in there. So right. that's, uh, that's, you know, regardless of um, you know, even just the rating, I think just thinking about that use case ahead of time makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. But it made me think of it because I, I worked on a project once where uh, it was a multi-use recreational type building that had a natatorium inside and the design didn't really, uh, didn't really consider that as a separate sport, you know, as needing to be a separate space, um, right. you know, with, with very different environmental controls and, uh, and, uh, you know, characteristics that, um, couldn't be effectively separated from other parts of the building because the the components just weren't installed that way um right. you know so it, it may and that caused all kinds of problems with uh you know moist air leaking to other parts of the building and causing condensation and um you know all the problems that come with that but right. it, it really the fundamental flaw fundamental issue was that people didn't consider uh that the building envelope isn't just at the outside that it could be in the inside somewhere between two spaces that have different um, uses and, and are going to be kept at different conditions. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it does, it takes, it takes a little bit to kind of reimagine what that, what yeah. that's going to look like, you know, we, to go into the building and see the exterior barrier wrapped on the walls on the inside of the building is right. kind of like, you know, you're yeah. thinking, wait a minute, yeah, that's something what we wrong have here. Somebody mess <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it does, you know, you, you, it's got to be a buy-in from the whole team and, and, yeah. you know, that, that project had a lot of, um, a, a lot of meetings. I think they met once, at least once a week yeah. to discuss, uh, what was going on and, you know, current problems, uh, current successes, uh, and next steps for all of that. So it was a very, very, um, very team oriented project. And I think that attributed to the, to the initial success. I mean, it's not something yeah. that they had to go back and, and, and rework 40 times, you know, they, yeah. Yeah. they did it right the first time. That makes sense. And, um, you know, they, they had their, they had their problems, but every building has, has problems that they face. Uh, but, you know, they just got, the, I think they just got their certification finalized, you know, this month, nice. uh, which is, which is awesome. Um, Very cool. You know, especially for, for a project team that's relatively new to the, to that space. And, and yeah. they've really, really sparked, uh, 
a whole new evolution of of what multifamily should and can be. Um, That's fantastic. You know, the, the amount of the amount of um, requests for information that we're getting from a manufacturer. Hey, you know, this product, this product, or this project wants to go in this direction now that they've seen this other project. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, it makes it, it from a fi- from a financial standpoint, from the building owner, it makes sense, right? Because the as we get more and more used to building in this way, the costs come down because people right. understand, all right, it's a, it's actually not that hard. It's right. really actually pretty <laughs> yeah. easy yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to build this building this way. And I think uh, initial cost estimates on Finch Cambridge were before before the incentives from MassSave, uh, it was only going to be like a percent over the cost of code-based construction. Wow. So, it, I mean, hardly anything, but then you factored in the incentives they got because it is affordable housing and they were actually uh, under what the cost of building it to code would have been. No kidding. So, I mean, now the building, uh, the building owner who's paying for the operating expenses now has, has savings for the life of the yeah, building. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's not a little bit of savings, you know, when you, fit, yeah. when you factor in, you're using, you know, 50 plus 50, 60, 70% less yeah. on your utilities, yeah. especially as volatile as the energy market is, yeah. uh, those are big numbers. It seems like that's really what it's going to take, isn't it, to get this kind of thing adopted on a wide scale is actual hard cash uh, benefits, right? Right. Like there's there's a few people who are interested just for the the good of it, you know, the uh, that it's the right thing to do. It's going to be helpful with uh, climate change and uh, occupant comfort and all kinds of other uh, factors that are, you know, good benefits of it. Yep. Um, but if I think if the industry can show that, look, no, there's actually a real financial incentive, um, yep. hard numbers, financial incentive to do it this way. Um, you know, then it's, then it'll pick up steam, I think. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's really, altruism so, is great, but yeah, the, the dollar makes the world go round. So, no, absolutely. No, absolutely. You know. So, so it's encouraging to see that that works out, um, right. you know, uh, to something that's attractive to, I would think attractive to developers and, and people making these decisions. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I think the high performance industry needs to kind of understand a little bit better yeah. Uh, you know, you go to the passive house meetings and, and, you know, the Northeast, the Nessie meetings, you know, all these different, you know, areas where they're like, you know, we need to build better. They, they spend, I think, maybe too much time focusing on the good it does for the environment and, you know, kind of these, right. the, the feel good stuff. Right. <clears throat> and not enough time focusing on, you know, the hard facts here, are the dollar numbers, because that's what motivates people. Right. Right. You know, right. a building owner isn't going to invest an extra $10 million just because it felt good. Right. You know, that's right. money. That, exactly. That that's going to be uh, changing hands. So um, I think that's one of the things that I think I'd like to see the passive house and the high performance world, um, work a little bit and, and they're doing it they're doing a much better job now especially with like mass save getting on board and stuff like that but um it shouldn't just be affordable housing right you that's know, right should, yeah yeah you should be able to 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 find ways to put hard numbers and, and and good information in the hands of even market rate developers luxury developers for sure um and, and these types of things and how they can all right maybe it's now it's occupant comfort and occupant comfort is a good selling point for you know right. why they can charge you know, 10% right. premium on their, on, on the condo, you know, so. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, I think that it goes for a lot of things in life, but yeah, you know, focusing on, uh, uh, you know, the benefits and the positive in a way that's really meaningful to the end consumer, um, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, worrying too much about the, the challenges or the drawbacks or things like that, but, you know, really pushing those benefits, um, in a way that, uh, hits home with their, you know, their bottom line at the end of the day, I think is a real, uh, a real way forward for that. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And in context, like you said, you know, maybe for luxury, it's one thing and for, uh, for affordable housing, it's a different thing, but, um, right. you know, uh, the, the context to each individual case, um, you know, identifying what's going to be meaningful in that situation, then, then really hammering on that. Right. And, and that's, that's the thing is it's, a, it's always going to be different on a case by case basis. And it, we just need to understand how to talk, to that case, um, absolutely, and find out what's important to that uh, to that end user. I mean, the yeah. end user is, is the ultimate decision maker. 
Yeah. Um, and speaking of end users, and you hit on it a little bit a minute ago too, um, in terms of what contractors are asking for and what, you know, so as a, as a representative, you know, you work in the manufacturing space of, of these high performance products, you know, what are you hearing from, cause you talk to, uh, I, th I think probably a lot more, um, you know, a, a broader uh, spectrum of contractors and builders um, than, than I might, I think. Um, so I'm curious what you're hearing from them in terms of what, what they're looking for, like either types of products or features or, you know, just sort of the, uh, the, the scuttlebutt from their end of the uh, spectrum. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it comes down to a couple of basic things. A, they want, they want a system, you mm -hmm. know, they, they don't want to start, uh, it depends on the project, you know, in a residential setting, maybe they're more willing to mix different things in. Yeah. Uh, but the bigger we get into these projects, you know, multifamily, institutional, all these different types of, they want, they want to try and stick with as many products from the same manufacturer as possible because a, they know that they're designed to work together yeah, uh, compatibility issues isn't going to be an issue. And when, if something does go wrong, it's not saying, well, we didn't test compatibility with them and they didn't test compatibility and it's their fault. No, it's their fault. So we don't have, they kind of eliminate that finger pointing. Yeah. Uh, so it keeps it in, in one scope. Um, the other thing is, is, is having a material that is not difficult to work with again, because, yeah. you know, the most expensive part of the project is going to be the labor. Yeah. You know, so if they can say, if they can spend a few percentage points more on a material that saves them 10 percentage points in labor, then that's a no brainer. Um, that makes sense. Uh, and also, I, I, maybe this is uh, me being a little bit uh, kind of jaded in my position, but we get asked a lot for, for, for support. Sure. And I think, I think that's something that uh, from a manufacturing standpoint or manufacturing company standpoint, you don't find a whole lot of in the market is, is, you know, that easy support. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's so many, there's so many companies out there. Here's, here's the 1-800 number, call them if you have problems. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you wait on hold, you, it's just a support line that maybe isn't even working for the manufacturer. Yeah. They just given some bullet points. Uh, to go through. So, you know, now that, and that's something that crosses over for to my part of the world too, or as a designer uh, and, and investigator, uh, you know, trying to find out information about the materials, um, having that direct line to somebody who's knowledgeable is just incredibly valuable and, and comforting, um, you know, <laughs> knowing that you have uh, a person or a group of people to reach out to and get reliable information quickly and relatively easily is, is a huge factor in, in, you know, uh, either my choices of specifying things or my, uh, um, you know, level of anxiety going into some sort of <laughs> investigation or something, right? Like if I know that I'm uh, interested in finding out about some product that um, is just going to be next to impossible because there's, you know, the website is terrible and there's nobody at the other end of the phone line. Um, right. That's uh, that, that just a lot more headache inducing than, you know, knowing that, uh, well, I know just who to call. I, I, you know, I've talked to them a hundred times and they'll be able to help me sort this out. Right. Um, and so it, that makes a big difference in, in my experience as a, um, you know, professional in this field as well. So I think that's, you know, surprising that it's not more widely uh, focused on, I guess, by the manufacturers, right? Like, yeah. because it seems to me like pretty obvious and, and, you know, you just, uh, you mentioned the contractors are interested in it, which makes sense. And, um, people like me are certainly interested in it. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised every time I go to a website that is, uh, you know, just, uh, maddening, uh, to find the, any sort of piece of information on, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just shocked because I feel like these companies have so much, uh, so many resources that they could put towards this, you know, what should be in 2021, a relatively, I think, baseline um, yeah. requirement, right? That the website is easy to use and find the data that you're looking for. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, that's actually, you know, I would say at least, you know, half the time, not the case. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and that, I, that's kind of crazy. I tend to think that maybe it has something to do with the fact that I don't think it's very inexpensive. Uh, yeah to have, you know, boots on the ground, someone that, you know, True. you know, that you can call a cell phone and say, Hey, you know, I'm out on site right now. I got this problem. What do you think about this? Yeah. And, you know, have that response. Uh, yeah, so typically true. it's, it's cheaper just to say, Hey, you know, we're going to have some guys that basically are order takers. Yeah. 
and then we're going to have a whole team in a call center in one location. Right. We're just going to field phone calls all day. Right. You know, that, right. that part's it's cheap and easy. And sometimes cheap and easy ain't the best for true for what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, uh, you know, being able to text you or call you when I have questions about, uh, air barrier stuff and, uh, and your <laughs> right. tapes and membranes is like, uh, it's just gold. That's it's, it's super valuable. And, and I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. Cause like the, the text message is like the easiest way yeah. to communicate quickly. Absolutely. You know, it's, 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 relatively it's it's pretty unintrusive so even That's if right. you know somebody's in the middle of something else they could just oh yeah <laughs> you know it's right. not like you know they're in the middle of something else they will be like hang on let me take this phone call and just exactly you know. yeah and that way and if you if somebody does need to take a minute you know if they can't reply right away that's fine right like it's not right. i feel like a phone call is you know kind of like you know, I'm very important. You need to listen to me right this minute. Like, <laughs> right. right? Like you might be doing, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is, stop and talk to me right now. Right. right. Like, yeah. Whereas a text message is much more sort of like, here's some information, you know, I have a question when you have a chance, you know, if you could look at it, that'd be awesome. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a, you know, it's kind of a more like empathetic uh, way to ask for somebody's assistance. Uh, I don't know. I feel yeah. like, so I, I like it. I think it's a great means of communication. And, um, and I've been using it a lot more actually the last few years, you know, a couple of years, in like professional way, you know, settings that, uh, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't even occur to me, you know, a few years before, but, right. um, you know, it's actually like, uh, you know, on projects I'll text back and forth with the contractor, he'll send photos, um, you know, sort of in real time of what's going on. Yep. And it's, it's just a lot easier than, um, you know, them having to put together an email or something or, or something oh, yeah. like that. And it, it, that's, uh, that's also the, the truth too. It's like, you know, emails are, emails are fine. We can do them from our phone, but they're not as, they're not as conversational. Right. Yeah. So yeah. You know, a little bit more friction, like there's that little bit extra friction. Right. So I think, I think that's, I, if I could say one thing that the, maybe the, the younger generation of professionals is providing for <laughs> is that, 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 that okayness with the text yeah. message yeah. in in the professional sense. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I've found it to be for whatever drawbacks there may be to it. I've, I found the benefits of it just hugely outweigh the, those drawbacks for a situation. I mean, communication is such a huge part of these projects, right? Like just right. being uh, not just informed, but on uh, in a developing trust and uh, a relationship with the people you're working with. Um, that's a huge part of the success of these projects. And I think anything that facilitates that um, is a great, you know, great benefit and whatever challenges are come with that, you can kind of work around, but you know, it's not right. like email or whatever is perfect either. There's always trouble with those two. So, uh, <laughs> right. The, the accidental like, reply all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I saw someone, uh, not only did someone still have a, a fax number on their letterhead, uh, but they, some of the project files I was looking through, like had actual faxes that were sent in like 2018. I was just, <laughs> like blown away. <laughs> I didn't fantastic. know those things still existed. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a dial-up um, modem right there. Yeah, right. It's so weird. <laughs> Strangest thing. Um, all right. So, uh, do you have you noticed any? Is there anything that designers ask for that might be different, or you know, uh, do you see any any uh, you know contrast in in what uh, you know architects and uh, and our engineers are looking for from you guys compared to the contractors? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the architects and engineers really dive deeper into the technical data and the mm -hmm. technical knowledge of these things. Um, you know, at the end of the day, contractors want something that's going to work. Yep. Um, so, you know, the permeability of something maybe doesn't matter as much as, right. you know, when can I install it? Like, is it too cold to put it on? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the technical knowledge about the materials is different from the engineer, the, the A&E side versus the contractor yeah. side. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's 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 it is kind of interesting how though they end up kind of coming to the middle with yeah. you know constructability. Yeah. You know, that's that's right. like yeah, the middle ground. True. Your constructability mm -hmm. is your middle ground, and uh, you know, contractor wants you know ease of use. Architect wants to understand how that's going to affect the building uh, from a, like a domino effect, you know, yeah. down the road. Yeah. You know, what's what's my outlook? What's uh, how does this affect this other system I'm putting in the building? So yeah, there's a lot more well-rounded discussion with, with stuff like that. Absolutely. What are some factors that you've seen uh, related to constructability that make or break that part of the project? Um, 
Well, I, I do find, and I'm sure you've experienced this, there's a, there's a relatively large gap between the contractor and the architect. So the yeah. architect brought one way, the contractor said, nope, there's no way that's yeah. possible. <laughs> and then it becomes this big feud. Uh, and I think I think some of that comes to architects, engineers don't get a whole lot of like physical time with the materials. Yep, they right. spend hands on doing it. Yeah, right. They spend also uh, 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 quite a bit of time in the two D world um, with the CAD drawings and stuff like that. They're getting more more and more three dimensional uh, with the advent of technology. But you know, the once you get kind of you're, you're in that two D mindset, you know, we see window cross sections; those are two D. Um, so it kind of becomes harder to visualize how they go together and what sequences they go together, what could be in the way of, of, of getting that applied properly. Sure. Um, so I think it, it kind of goes back to, to, to your statement earlier, communication is the key in, in, in having a contractor that's, you know, not so stuck in saying, hey, you know, I've done it this way for 30 years and you're not going to tell me anything new. Yeah. Right. You know, trying to have a little bit more open mind from both sides. So, and okay, I could see how that could be a problem, but do you understand my goals? Yeah. Yes, I understand your goals. And I think yeah. this is how we can get to it. So having yeah, that, absolutely. you know, kind of like non-antagonistic conversation. You know, I always feel like when I get in the middle of these two, which is something that we do, we do a lot. We get in the middle of these conversations quite a bit um, because, you know, the architects say, well, Contractor saying I can't do this, but this is my goal, and I wanted to do it this way. And you know, we have to try and find a way to bring bring the two parties together. But I find that you know the the big benefit is having or having the comfort with saying, "Hey, I think we could do it this way, and it'll be better." And the other person on the other end of that, whether no matter which direction it's going, is you know open minded to that to yeah. that thought. Okay. Well, let's let's take a look at it. Let's see if yeah. we can do that, and let's see if it still maintains the goals of the project. Yeah, that's I think like one of the biggest keys, and uh, having the the comfort and the uh, in some ways confidence to be able to say to you know whether you're a contractor coming to the architect or engineer or vice versa, and being able to say like, look, um, this is my idea. This is the this is what I'm trying to achieve, and here's one idea of how to get there. I don't know if that's the best idea, right? Like, I don't know if, you know, if there's another way, this is how I know how to do it. Right. There might be another way. And if you have one, that's great. Like, let's talk about it. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately get stuck myself included sometimes. And I have to, you know, I have to think about it and say like, no, you know what? Like this person also probably has been doing it for a long time. You know, there's the, it's right. sort of the, the cliche, like I've been doing this for 20 years, I'm not changing, but you know, there's some value in that too, right? Like, okay, what have you seen over 20 years? How, and, right. and why are you saying that? You know, why are you telling me that I can't do that? Um, there's something maybe I don't get, right? And you might say, oh, oh, okay. You're telling me that because um, this is in the way or it's very expensive to do X, Y, and Z and it's much less expensive to do this. And can we do something like the second option and still achieve the goals, right? right. Um, so I think having that, you know, as you said, exactly, open-mindedness to be able to hear what the other parties are saying, um, and treat them, you know, with the uh, the benefit of the doubt that they're also after a good result um, for the building owner or you know whoever the the benefactor is, um, right. is just is such a huge factor in the success of these projects. And it's, it can be challenging, especially when, you know, it, cause it can devolve into uh, defensiveness and confrontational uh, situation very quickly. Right. In that situation, you know, nobody wins. And it's just, oh a, yeah, it's a, I, I've, I've heard it all, you know, like, you know, the, the contractors, oh, they, they just sit behind a desk. They don't understand anything right. that's going on. <laughs> right. And then, you know, oh, they just swing a bunch of hammers. They don't understand, <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah, that's right. You know, so being able to appreciate both of those talents is, rare but really important <laughs> right absolutely you know it's it, it all comes down to i think buildings buildings are as we understand more about them they get seemingly more complex yep but i don't really think they're getting more complex i think we're just kind of like oh this is new and because true. it's new yeah, true. i think it's harder but yeah. That also comes kind of comes from closed-mindedness and then the lack of communication and and I think as we move forward in this in this industry, we're starting to understand the value we all have working together to achieve the goal that that is the building, and that's what Absolutely. makes it simpler. Yeah.
I had a situation recently where someone asked, uh, you know, an opinion on a certain insulation strategy. And I said, I don't think that's a good idea, uh, but, you know, we, we can talk about alternatives. And, uh, you know, he said, well, why? And being able to, you know, have even just two more minutes of conversation about why I thought that one way was better than another way made, you know, opened up a whole world of possibilities after that. Right. Um, because it wasn't just, you know, I don't do it that way, or that's the wrong way. But, right. you know, every, a lot of most people in our business are capable of understanding sort of the fundamental issues that we're trying to work around, right? Like, and really, most of the time, it comes down to water, right? We, we don't want water right. to end up where it's not supposed to go. Exactly. And so if you can explain to somebody how one idea is better at keeping water where it is supposed to be than another, then people kind of get on board. <laughs> right. And I think um, it's kind of funny that you, you know, it is, it's, it's almost that simple as I, I have seen that. I've seen it a lot throughout my career yeah. when someone says, why? Well, just because yeah. that's the way it's done, <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. Well, explain that to me and maybe I'll or get even on board like, with uh, it. Yeah. Or even, you know, the, the typical designer's defense is like, because it's on the drawings or because the specs <laughs> say that, right. Um, right. which, you know, contractually maybe is right, but it doesn't win you any friends or, or, you know, help, uh, smooth over the communication on the project. Um, right. Exactly. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. How would, have you seen, uh, what have you seen in terms, you know, we're talking in early 2021, um, COVID and, you know, its impacts on, on your work and on construction in general, what's kind of been your perception on it? <laughs> it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, from, you know, from the onset of COVID, you know, obviously there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. We've got we've got construction pauses. You know, we're we're trying to. At some points, I felt like we were trying to do things just to stay busy. Yep. Um, you know, we're a lot of online stuff. Um, some productive, some not so productive. Um, but then once the once that kind of pause lifted, as we got kind of an understanding of how this affected us yeah then it was like a fire sale like everything <laughs> is just we lost three months we need to go and <laughs> yeah. and you know what if if we can go faster and make up even more time that way just in case it all pauses again we want to try yeah. and get ahead of it yeah you know so you know once the once the kind of pause was lifted it was just just go 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 yeah. like everything is just you know exploding and uh, then, then there comes the other problem. All right. Now, now is people's like reaching out. When are we going to get this stuff? You know, there's, yeah. there's production delays all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's because the production delays, the price of materials is going through the roof, you know, like the commodity materials who, who are more tied to the markets, like the lumber industry and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Those prices are going through the roof. Mm -hmm. um, now they're, now they have a whole new, challenge with all right how am i going to value engineer all these new costs that weren't planned on you know the the, the foundation got poured right before the pause now we got to buy the lumber pack and it's 10 percent more yeah um on a bigger building that's a huge number for sure because uh, that's a big 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 line item for the budget so you know it's yeah i mean there's all kinds of in trying to figure out how to work virtually yet still in person um Thankfully, you know, the, the, the on-site stuff has relatively been the same, obviously new yeah. protocols, you know, you got to go in, you fill out the, the forms, get your temperature taken. So there's some newness there, yeah. but once you're past that, it's relatively similar, you know, yeah. you're still on site, you're still working through the details. Yeah. Uh, I think the big, the big difference has been from like the A&E side, like we do a lot of these Zoom meetings, uh, a lot of virtual meetings, not as many hands uh, or face-to-face -face meetings. Um, and that's fine. You know, you with with kind of like that planning and looking at drawings and stuff, you can do that relatively easily virtually. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking at it from a more like selfish, like how I do my jobs perspective, it becomes a lot harder. We have to try and like the, the, the manufacturers have to have to try and come up with new ways to get FaceTime with the A&E community because, yeah. you know, we hear it all the time. You know, if you're not in the spec, you're not getting used. Mm -hmm. We know that that's partially true. We know that they have some, some sway the other way. They just don't want to. <laughs> um, but it, it does become harder because like, you know, 
if 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 I need to get information on a on a project, uh, now there's nobody in an office that I can just say, uh, you know, I tried calling, yeah. I didn't yeah. get any information. I'm just going to stop in and see if there's somebody around. Sure. You can't do that anymore, right? So you know, yeah. It, yeah. it becomes it becomes a little bit it becomes a little bit different. You know, the pressure from a manufacturer's rep standpoint isn't any less. You know, we still have to yeah. we still have to get the product out there and and, yeah. and do all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's it's just finding new ways to do things, you know, like, like the lunch and learn, for yeah, example, right. you know, yeah. uh, there's going to be a lot more webinars. Um, mm-hmm. And our lunch and learn is very hands on. Um, so we're actually right now, I'm in the middle of uh, finding a way to do a hands on lunch and learn virtually, um, you know, using recyclable cardboard boxes to present oh, a building mock up, um, sending out a package with samples that you get to use and and do that's all a great that. idea so hopefully hopefully that'll go well um but yeah it's just there's there's a few new ways that we've got to envision how we work yeah uh, with the community at large yeah the hands-on lunch and learn remotely is a is a great <laughs> idea i think that's very cool i'm just thinking about how that would work and um i think it because you're right especially with um yeah, with things like tapes and membranes, like it's very helpful to be able to touch it and feel it and see how the adhesive might be different uh, or the same compared to other products and, right. um, you know, how flexible it is and how stretchy it is and all those things that are hard to um, <clears throat> hard to learn about from a data sheet or a PowerPoint slide in right. any meaningful way, you know, like maybe they have different elongation percentage or something, but, in terms <laughs> right, of but like, what does that really mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 It's you're interested in what it, what it feels like, you know, what is the contractor's experience going to be? Um, right. And so, yeah, being able to have that in your hands, I think would be, would be super helpful. That's very cool. Yeah, I've kind of had, I think my experience has been pretty similar where it seemed like at the beginning, there was a bit of panic for a while. Um, You know, nobody quite knew what was going on or what was going to go on. Um, And then once we got past that initial uh, uncertainty and and got to a a new level of um, sort of accepted uncertainty, you know, like like we didn't really have answers, but we sort of knew what we didn't know. And and we we had that sort of sorted out. So we just moved along from there. Um, yeah, things kind of went really like kind of wild last summer and, and I'll, you know, really straight through till now, the winter's yeah. been pretty wild. Um, and so it's been busy and, uh, and especially uh, like you said, because the actual onsite construction work is not that different. Um, right. you know, luckily for, for our industry and for all the folks working in it and the, the people's, you know, buildings that are getting either built or repaired, um, most of that can still go on, you know, relatively unimpeded, uh, right you wear masks and you have your weekly meetings outside more often than not. Um, yep. And uh, you know, stuff like that, but otherwise, yeah, it's pretty um, you know, there's not a lot that needs to change too much. So that's, that's been nice. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the one thing that I can, I can say that I won't mind if it stays the same is the lack of traffic getting in and out of Boston. Oh, absolutely. It's been incredible. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I've only hit, I think I've only hit rush hour traffic maybe twice. And yeah, usually it's because of an accident. I agree. Yeah, same thing. I've I've been able it's cut down, you know, I used to need I used to leave, you know, sometimes twice as much time as I would, you know, theoretically need to get somewhere because it'd be right. so unpredictable. Um, but I don't really have to worry about that now. Um, for the most part. And it's just fantastic. I, if it ever goes back to the old <laughs> way, I'll be I'll be uh, very sad for <laughs> right. wow, like I used to it again. Yeah, I um, think uh what 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 interests me too is to see how space use is going to change. Yeah. You know, as, as companies come to understand that maybe they don't need 60,000 square feet of office space, what are these building owners going to do? I mean, I 100%. honestly, I think one of the smartest thing these building owners could do is, is, is obviously, you know, with zoning and stuff, you have to, to work through that, but uh, work to try and change some of these office buildings into to dual purpose buildings where, hey, yeah. all right, let's, let's convert some of these offices into residences that maybe increases the stock of residences, brings the prices down because yeah. there's more stock available yeah. and then they can kind of live and work in the same area. Yeah, know, maybe. Absolutely. Maybe convert some of the office space that was there before into single like, hey, one of the benefits you get of, of living in this building is now you can reserve an office to sure. work from home. Sure, you right, know? yeah. Yeah, take you advantage know, like of a, the added, uh, you know, the, the bigger work from home component of life now. Right, you know, you yeah. kind of do like a reservation system. So there's, 
uh, I, I'll be interested to see how how the building space or the usage of building space changes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of impact on like downtown businesses that yeah. relied on lunch rushes, after work rushes, and stuff yeah, like absolutely. that. No, hundred percent. I mean, I've seen, uh, you, know, you go downtown now or even like even driving on, you know, uh, 95, like the, um, TripAdvisor building that uh, yeah. was relatively new, like is, you know, empty all the time now. And yeah. it was always humming and you just got to wonder like, what, what are they, you know, what are they gonna do with that building? Um, times 10,000, you know, <laughs> right. across the greater Boston area. Um, so it is a very interesting question. And it's, I hear a lot of people say, you know, they'll tell me like, yeah, man, as soon as I can go back to an office, I'm ready. I, I can't deal with working at home. But <laughs> I've seen those same people, like, you know, when given an opportunity say, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I, I'll deal without the commute, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think when push comes to shove, a lot of people are going to be pretty happy staying home if they can, you know, if they're, right. if their employer will let them. Um, and the, yeah, I think there's gonna be a lot of empty office buildings. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it's it's a it's a big opportunity though. I think if, if you think about yeah, silver lining, absolutely. it's a big opportunity for the residential market too. Hundred percent. As I think in they coincide, yeah, they happen to be in the same area that uh, there's a dearth of residential space, right? Like the right, you know, <laughs> just so happens we need a lot more residences in those places, so uh, yeah. that could work out really nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I'm going to be cognizant of your time uh, and uh, start to wrap <laughs> things up. I think. Uh, is there anything you know you want to share or uh, or talk about? You know, from uh, that we haven't already hit on. Uh, I think I think the only thing that um, that I, I always like to talk about is is the fact that we do have this this training center. Um, it's it's kind of a pet project of mine, um, just based on. You know, I, I've heard it. I've heard it so many times. We've all heard it so many times, and, and it can be valuable, like you said earlier. Uh, but the, I've been doing it this way for thirty years. Um, I think one of the problems we face as an industry is that, you know, if you look at the architecture and engineer standpoint, they need continuing education. You you, mm -hmm. know, you have to keep you have to keep up continuing ed, keep up learning how things are changing, uh, and that's something that maybe isn't so well founded in the from the contractor's end. Okay. There's, there's not a lot of continuing ed. There's not a lot yep. of, you know, training availability um, uh, for, for, for that part of, of the project. Sure. Uh, so we, we, we created this space um, to help kind of the contractor understand how air tightness affects a building's performance, how water management should be done um, some of the challenges that face it. So I've got uh, I've got a building or I've got mock-ups out here with corners, extended window bucks, flange windows, block frame windows, inset outside. So there's a whole bunch of different things that they could do over here, and it just so happens to be free to use. <laughs> um, so you know it's 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 one of those things where the the mentality is you know oh man you know I could spend a day or four hours. I don't really have the time to spend a day or half a day out learning that stuff but if you stop thinking in that mentality and start thinking yeah. all right i'm going to take four hours now to learn how to do it the right way yeah it's going to save me 40 hours fixing problems that i now have because i didn't take the time to understand it absolutely um so you know it's a it's a it's an incredible resource that 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 we offer this this free training center right now we used to have public events right now we're, we're we're relegating it to you know everyone has to be from the same company sure um you know it, you know two two to ten people uh we try not to get um a lot more than 10 just based on the size of the facility yeah um you know we, we still want to try and do everything as safe as possible but i think that's it's, it's important i think it offers you know new uh people that are newly getting into construction, an opportunity to learn uh, an important skill as far as working with the exterior or interior of a building's envelope, um, uh, offers an opportunity for, for people to understand new concepts within the building industry. You know, the high performance industry is, is something that's, it's really starting to take over. You know, people are starting exactly. to understand a, a lot more about it and a lot more about the benefits of it. Uh, and they're getting a lot less scared of, you know, how to do it. So, you know, it's because of, it's because of things like this, where we have this, um, this, this opportunity to, to get people together to, to just, you know, teach people 
that it's not so hard. Yeah, that's fantastic. Scary. Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought it up. It's literally on the top of my list of things I wanted to talk with you about. And I just <laughs> somehow skipped over it and got to the end of the list without getting to it. So I'm really glad you brought it up. Yeah. So uh, just it's, it's like a hands-on space uh, for trying out uh, the different materials and products and details so that people can get a, um, you know, a sense of how, you know, best practices for uh, working with these different uh, materials and detailing these different transitions and, and parts of the building. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I haven't been out there yet. I've seen photos and I've seen some videos you've shot of the space and it, it looks like a terrific space and, um, you know, I'm eager to check it out. And I think I can imagine, uh, you know, 15 different great uses for it. So right. it's a really cool thing you guys are doing. And the other, the other kind of cool thing that, uh, that we, that we want to be able to use it for is, is, is project meetings where, mm -hmm. you know, we, we talk about the, the gap between the architect's goals and drawings and the constructability on site. Yeah. Um, that's an opportunity now. Hey, let's get the team together and let's, sure. let's play with that detail in a real life setting, you know, you know on-site mock-ups are great. They get done once, you know, mm -hmm. but it always gets done this way. Yeah. But this is a great way to try and iron out all those, you know, differences of opinion before any of that even starts. Hey, the mock-ups are already here. Let's, let's see, let's just get everyone together idea. and see what's going on with it. And, you know, we have, you know, the space is ours. So we, we, we can, you know, if you could say, Hey, well, why don't I send the contractor out there? I need to put something together a little bit. So the contractor come out and get put together whatever he needs to get put together on, on, on the mock-ups. And then we can all get together and, 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 and have that conversation uh, about yeah, that's a the great best, idea. best way to do things. I can see that being a great spot for like a, uh, you know, pre-construction meeting uh, yeah. where you get the sub various subs together, or especially if you're doing a, you know, a project that involves, uh, you know, cladding and windows, right? Getting those subs out there before the project when doing an on-site mock-up may not make sense yet because, you know, nothing has been torn off or, or built yet. Right. <laughs> um, and right, you get there with the specs and the drawings and say, look, this is what we had in mind. Let's talk about, you know, instead of just sitting in a trailer, um, and, you know, uh, everyone giving platitudes about how, you know, well it's going to go, that, that's a, like a really good opportunity to put some, uh, you know, some actual products together and, and, you know, like you said, kind of break down some of those barriers early when you right. can actually make changes that are meaningful. Right. You know, get out ahead of the problem before it becomes a problem. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a big money saver if, uh, if people use it wisely. Absolutely. No, great idea. Cool. Well, thanks very much, Ken. I really You're appreciate uh, having you. And uh, it's been really good to talk. It's been a little while since we've been talking face-to-face -to -face too. So uh, it's good yep, to catch yep. up uh, regardless. <laughs> so, um, Absolutely thanks, agreed. Well, that wraps up our first episode. Thanks very much for listening. If you made it this far, please leave feedback. Let me know who you'd like to hear from, uh, any topics you'd like to learn more about, and I'll try to cover it on a future episode. Talk to you soon.